Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Lieutenant Colonel Kirkland. The following podcast is the second half of the episode we did on our sister podcast, Gain Service Academy Admission. In the first half of the episode, we talked about the guest experience in high school, college, the Air Force Academy prep school, and the Air Force Academy. As the podcast commences here, we start discussing U.S. Space Force. Please visit the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast if you'd like to hear the whole episode. Without further ado, the show. Let's talk about your career in the Space Force. Yeah, I I think maybe some people listening to this are like, what (laughs) did they just say? (laughs) Space Force? But yes, yes, it's a thing. Can you tell us a little about what the Space Force is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Space Force stood up, I think the birthday is December 20th, 2019. Um, So it's very, very new. Um, You know, something that was in the NDAA for that year was the birth of Space Force. And so if you're familiar with kind of the, the structure of the Air Force and some of the MAGCOMs that were in there, what they thought, you know, with former President Donald Trump, you know, kind of saying, hey, there is a need for a Space Force. Uh, I think, you know, where things are headed in, in, the, in the future, it would be prudent for us to to have this own separate military branch. And one of the MAGCOMs in, in the Air Force was Air Force Space Command. So they just kind of took, uh, you know, all the mission that was happening there. Uh, and stood up, you know, its own kind of military branch. So there was a lot of space bases in the Air Force. Um, you had Vandenberg Air Force Base, Buckley, Peterson. Vanden- Vandenberg's in California, right? Buckley and Peterson are in Colorado. That's correct. Yeah. And I was actually at Vandenberg for my first assignment. Um, so, and then there's Patrick uh, out in in Florida, but you also have like Thule, which is in Greenland and some other locations that now the Space Force has. And I think here pretty recently, you know, you had like Peterson Air Force Base switch to Peterson Space Force Base and same thing with Buckley and Vandenberg and and Patrick there. But um, yes, a super interesting thing. And I think a lot of people were like, hey, this kind of came out of nowhere. Why are we kind of doing this? But uh, I got the opportunity to tour the the Pentagon a couple months ago in my position, and we got to see you know the Space Force um, Heritage Hall and a lot of the cool things um, and, and some of the the different makers in that realm. But you know they were actually contemplating standing up a, a Space Force back before nine eleven, and you know once that kind of went down, I think it made people kind of shift their attention and their focus on some other things. Um, you know, rightfully so, but that was something that was being communicated and looked at even that long ago. So kind of an interesting thing. So does that mean that, uh, I I remember the domains of the air force are, uh, airspace and cyberspace or used to be 
space. So now as it j- Air Force is just air and, and cyberspace and Space Force has taken on space completely? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they're still writing or maybe they just published something just recently. But I think the the Air Force is still the same. And I'm not sure if that's because, you know, similar to what you see with the Marine Corps and the Navy, you know, where the Space Force is in the Department of the Air Force. Um, but, you know, you have the, the chief of staff of the Air Force, uh, who kind of is the, the highest ranking individual for the Air Force. But then you have the chief of space operations, who's a four star as well, who's kind of been elevated into the same position serving under the, the secretary of the Air Force. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a good way to, I think, think about it maybe as the Marine Corps Commandant, you know, as part of the Navy, uh, but yet it's a separate service. But, uh, you know, but maybe the Navy takes on uh, a lot of logistics and administrative overhead for the Marine Corps. Right. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when the Space Force stood up, they, they kept it in their minds that, hey, we want to keep this a pretty small, small force. And you will have aspects of the Air Force still supporting uh, the Space Force, you know, they they transferred over a, a small amount of AFSCs, um, Air Force specialty codes, kind of your your uh, career number, what what uh, what job you have um, into the Space Force, and so the ones that they transferred over, they had like their organic ones that were, you know, this is kind of obvious uh, to transfer over with, you know, you have space operations. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and transfer them over automatically, but you had others that were optional, um, common AFSCs and that was like intelligence, cyber engineers and acquisitions where, you know, they can support both, but there's also a very unique, um, niche with the space realm and space domain where, you know, cyber intel and acquisitions, all that, it would make sense to make a separate one. So those were the, some of the others that had the option to transfer into the space force. But, you know, if you have like security forces contracting or some of the other AFSCs that, you know, those don't exist within, within the, the space force and are supported from, from the air force. So Sam, as a space force officer, uh, how long now have you been a first lieutenant? Yeah, so I started out um, when I graduated the academy. I um, commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Air Force. And so I was a second lieutenant for two years um, while I was out at Vandenberg um, in a contracting squadron um, serving at, you know, a 64P is what they call it. It's an OPEX. Um, I could probably talk about that later. Um, so I was still in the Air Force as a second lieutenant and then was in the Air Force as a first lieutenant for, I believe, let's see, I think nine months um, and then transferred into the Space Force. Um, so then you know, back in February was when I was officially transferred over into the Space Force and you know, I'm still a, a first lieutenant. So I've been a first lieutenant for a little over a year, maybe closer to a year and a half. So you've been in the Space Force now for about eight months. That's correct, that, yeah. Wow, okay, that's great. That's great. And uh, it seems like a lot of people, like there's a bunch of different ways to get into the Space Force. And what you did, it seems like it's about a third of what's going on in terms of 
Um, they're taking about 100 current Air Force officers a year and transferring them into the Space Force. Uh, this year, or, or excuse me, last year, the Air Force Academy graduated 118 officers into the Space Force. And ROTC graduated about 60 officers. So, you know, about a little over 100 are, are transitioning from the Air Force, but brand new second lieutenants every year, it's about 200. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, when I, I transferred, it was, you know, hey, we're going to figure out how to transfer because I was an acquisitions guy. Um, I just did contracting as a, you know, an operational experience, but my main job was acquisitions. So they, when they kind of let it out saying, Hey, space force is going to be a thing. We're going to transfer some acquisition folks in, you know, let's sign up here if you want to even do that. So I was kind of part of the first wave of taking all the air force individuals, uh, and then transferring those into the space force, at least in the acquisition career field. Uh, and then that just kind of finally went through back in February for, for at least CGOs, you know, your company grade officers. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, mean, a- no, I was going to say that, um, sorry to interrupt there, Trish. Oh, I was just going to ask about, um, I mean, what, what do you see that the junior role in Space Force being junior officer role um, being in Space Force with the different, uh, uh, you know, uh, AFSCs? Yeah, so I think it's um, it's different across the board. Um, if you you kind of look at you know space operations or you know the the ones that are you know on the ops floors working on the mission, you know as as a young officer, you know, you're probably leading a flight of of other individuals, um, just kind of seeing depending on your mission um, that it, you know whether you're, you're working shifts or whatever that, you know, the, the mission gets done, um, you know, and then, you know, some of the other common AFSCs that are supporting, whether that's Intel cyber, uh, being an engineer or acquisitions, you're, you're finding new innovative ways to, to push the mission forward and support the operators. Um, so as a, you know, just a first Lieutenant, you know, it might seem like, Hey, I don't have a lot of impact when it comes to acquisitions, but, you know, the space force, I think is kind of setting itself up in a manner where, you know, you don't have to be a, you know, a Colonel or, you know, a a three star or anything like that to make a lot of impact. Um, You know, as a a young officer, you're encouraged to kind of shake things up a little bit um, and and maybe take, uh, take some risks and help, you know, the decision makers see and understand that kind of risk, at least in the acquisition realm. Um, I'm finding new ways to try to, you know, speed up and, and kind of break down some bureaucratic walls that, you know, the, the DOD has put in place when it comes to acquisitions, you know, and, and that's, that's probably a whole nother podcast and issue is, you know, <laughs> the acquisitions within the, the department of defense. But, oh, yeah. you know, as a, as a young Lieutenant, it's just fun to try to go and find different innovative ways to, to, to make things move faster. And Sam, what kind of budget are you responsible for? Um, so my case is a little different. Um, so I, I'm part of an organization called space camp. (laughs) And so that's, uh, it's not the, uh, the, the kids camp that you go to when you're younger to learn about, um, space and astronauts and stuff like that. Although I do wish that I, I did go there. 
Um, unfortunately, <laughs> <we> I did <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it uh, stands for Commercially Augmented Mission Platform. And so we develop software for for the, the space operators and, you know, people within the Space Force, um, really taking industry practices and finding out how to, to do that in the, the, the DoD. Because in the past, software, you know, the, the DoD didn't do software very well. You spend many months and years trying to develop something and you deliver it and it doesn't work. Um, but here at, at Space Camp, we, you know, take into what, what makes your, your Facebooks and your Googles and your Netflix is so successful with software development and bring it into Space Camp. So um, the it, it, it kind of started a little, you know, underground <laughs> and then people saw the value of it and, you know, are, are, are wanting to invest in it. Um, and so it, we're not necessarily a program of record where we have uh, the, this big pot of money where we kind of have to allocate resources and, and, and send, you know, investments here and there, but we do a lot of customer funding. So we work with other organizations within the, the space force and they'll kind of send us money for lack of a better term. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds on <laughs> acquisitions and MIPRs and all that fun stuff, but um, yeah, they just partner with us and they, they want us to build out a capability for them. So I know that was a long way to answer a, a you know small <laughs> question, but no, I mean... uh, la- last year we probably did, you know, speaking in commercial terms, probably around $33 million of, of business. And is that for your organization or, you know, do, how much of a piece of that are you, are you responsible for on a, um, throughout the year? Yeah, so that's that's for the whole organization, but I myself and some of the work that I do um, in in an acquisition role, I kind of force or oversee you know, all of that. That's a that's a huge responsibility for a company grade officer. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, and then even in like the the contracting realm, when I was at when I was in a contracting squadron, I was able to get my warrant, which essentially allows you to to spend the government's money. Um, you know, it's, it's taxpayer dollars, but you see, you see company grade officers in the air force, uh, in charge of, you know, signing and entering into contracts with individuals for $5 million up to an unlimited amount. Uh, you know, if they're going on deployments too, they have that kind of, that, that authority. And if you're managing contracts, I think I was managing a, a total contract portfolio of around, you know, $102 million. Um, yeah. So a lot of responsibility, but it's it's fun. And what do you, what do you think the most important trait uh, in terms of like an intrinsic military trait uh, is in, in that type of position? Like something from you know the the honor code type trait. Yeah. Um, so there's a some horror stories out there when it comes to you know if you're working with. Uh, with a, a, a large amount of money and you're working with contractors, um, you know, sometimes there can be things that happen behind doors and um, looking for, for deals to be made. But, you know, just, just kind of having that integrity, uh, I'd say is, is a huge trait and something that, you know, you kind of pick up a lot at, um, at an academy is, is, you know, just doing the right thing, even when no one's watching. Um, so that, that certainly helps in that realm when you're, you, you know, you have to bring some, <laughs> some integrity into business transactions or, or contracts and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, most most definitely. Um, I guess kind of looking at acquisitions as a whole, you know, stepping back, uh, why did you choose acquisitions from the academy and uh, what op- other options were available and how competitive was acquisitions? So when I was kind of going through and trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, in the Air Force, you know, I didn't really want to go the pilot route or anything like that. Um, but, you know, being in business management, one of the things that I could see translate, uh, you know, as best as possible was acquisitions, um, managing programs, um, and, you know, whether that's handling a budget or, you know, trying to make timelines or, or, or managing, uh, that type of stuff, acquisitions fit, um, most, uh, I guess, snugly if that's a word uh, i'm not sure it is but i did say my reading and writing wasn't the best score in my <laughs> act but we'll catch a um, break <laughs> i appreciate that um so yeah they also had that opportunity for an opex um, where you go and do a different afsc for the first three years to kind of gain some some different experience and what other career fields are doing and contracting was another one of those things where it's like hey I'm, i might be able to apply a lot of these different pr- business principles to my job and you know i get to work with people and manage programs and and budgets and all that stuff so that's what i saw was most applicable there um and it sounded you know the coolest to me um certainly i'm not flying you know mach 1.2 or whatever but (laughs) i am able to you know kind of see how how dollars are flowing through uh the mission and so I think in my grade, when we graduated, there's, I want to say maybe there was like 60 slots um, spread across contracting and acquisitions. And I think the year after me, I think they took it off like the, like that. Uh, I don't think there was any opportunities for acquisitions or contracting. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it might change here and there, but I think they've probably come to a, you know, a better cadence on how many are, are, are open, but you know, it's, it's nothing close to, you know, there's, you know, 600 or 700 pilot slots. Maybe that's a, a really high number, but maybe it's more like 300 or 350. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, there's, there's a small number for, for acquisitions and contracting, but you don't, you honestly don't learn a whole lot about it. You know, when you're at the Academy, um, full transparency, when I got contracting, I was like, okay, I I know it's working with money and projects and stuff, but what is it? Like, what, (laughs) what is contracting? I hear contracting officer, but I don't know what that means. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think one of the great opportunities uh, that is available to cadets at the, the service academies is to go on those summer exposure programs, go overseas to bases or stateside to bases and, and get exposure to different yeah. uh, Air Force specialty codes. But I don't, unfortunately, I don't think contracting is, is a very common one that people get to see beforehand. Yeah, I do remember shadowing one. one I went to Travis on mine and I, I sh- shadowed the contracting office for I think uh, maybe an hour or two and I still walked away and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was because I couldn't <laughs> really wrap my head around it. <laughs> I was, I was stuck in California. So maybe I wasn't really paying attention, but yeah, paperwork. <laughs> that's all I heard. Well, um, it's, it's really interesting how it's grown over the last few years because, you know, the year when Space Force set up, I think 30 cadets from the Air Force Academy commissioned directly into the Space Force uh, last year in 2020, 86 cadets, and then 
118. So it's definitely growing. There's an opportunity. Yeah. And, and, um, my understanding is it's, it is still very competitive, uh, even with 118 slots, but as you know, since they've opened up more career field space operations, Intel cyber uh, and acquisitions, there's just more opportunity now for people, uh, within space force. Colonel Kirkland, um, I know you have some insight on the ROTC side of the house. Yeah, I, um, I talked to a, uh, a uh, professor of aerospace science regarding uh, what the current uh, accessions are going on with the ROTC, uh, Air Force ROTC into the Space Force. And he his answer, uh, Sam, was, um, and I'll just read it, is that uh, it's very competitive. First, uh, there's a 13S Space Operations Officer Board where the cadets compete for the uh, Air Force um, Specialty Code 13S. And then uh, Air Force ROTC runs a full rated board, including those who competed in the 13S board. For those selected for both, the cadet will be given a position for which they're most more qualified, meaning the higher order of merit they receive. Um, so they say USSF takes precedence if they compete for that service. So there are about 60 slots per year with 24 coming from tech degrees and 36 coming from non-tech. However, if they have a critical major such as electrical engineering or meteorology, they're ineligible for the 13S board. As far as GPA, the minimums are greater than 2 or equal to 2.0, but in reality, they are looking at much higher as in the mid to high threes. Uh, They need to take the AFOQT like everyone else uh, no tests are required similar to pilots. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's his overview of, uh, the ROTC route. And just from my standpoint, looking at it, it looks to be that the much harder route to space force is through uh, ROTC than the air force Academy. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Those are some, some crazy numbers. Yeah. I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, if it's only 60 and, you know, I know that Air Force ROTC uh, total numbers is, uh, you know, uh, you know, each year, I think, uh, you know, is probably what, probably double or maybe even triple the uh, numbers of the Air Force Academy. You're looking at, you know, I mean, a much greater difficulty of getting into Space Force from ROTC, but, but it still is doable and it looks like uh, that they're taking non-tech, uh, more non-tech than tech. So interesting, uh, interesting information. And don't major in electrical engineering or meteorology. You're not going to you're not going to get into space force from ROTC. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I know, and sure, it's very competitive. But I I think the the space force is capped out at only, um, I want to say sixteen thousand people. Uh, I could be wrong there. I might have to fact check me, but yeah, I think they're they're intentionally trying to stay a, a very small service. So I, I'm sure that certainly contributes to um, the competitiveness to to try to get in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow, sixteen thousand. That's uh, uh, just a fraction, a fraction of the other services. Right. Uh, with with that being said, what do you think the future of the space force is going forward? I think there's a lot of different things that that could happen. You know, um, 
and you, you might see if you kind of look into the space for us, there's a lot of talk about being agile, lean and, and digital. There's going to be a huge um, emphasis on being a digital force, um, even with the way that um, the world is is moving, you know, some of the different directions and, um, you know, the adoption of, you know, even industry and, and becoming more digital there as well. And even just access to space, you're seeing a lot of the, the, the industry leaders like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and uh, Richard Branson and, and trying to have this, this assured access to space and, you know, even on the commercial side. So the Space Force has and will continue to have a huge part in that. Um, I'm not sure how much, you know, we'll, we'll be involved with. I'm sure there will be a lot with, with, with Mars exploration, but um, there's also this, um, this, this fact of, you know, space should remain, you know, an uncontested environment. Um, but there are some bad actors out there. and We want to make sure that we, you know, protect a lot of our assets that are out there um, and, and make sure that, you know, whatever's happening in space is, you know, we can make sure we have a good pulse on that. And I would wager to say everything that we do have in space is probably some of the most important things that we have to our infrastructure as a nation, um, you know, with satellites, um, you know, think first thing you do uh, when you wake up on in the morning, if, you know, you get on your phone, you're already tapping into space, uh, you're sending a text message, checking your bank account, um, you know, trading on the stock market, um, making a phone call, GPS, making your way to work, you know, everything touches space. Uh, and so that environment, you know, when it comes to uh, crippling economies or, you know, waging war is is all tied to space. So we want to make sure that we have a good control over that and make sure nothing too crazy happens. Now, are we going to get to a point where it's like Star Trek and we have all these battleships in space and stuff like that? I, you know, I can't, I can't say there. <laughs> um, I don't know if we, we, we will get there anytime soon, but um, yeah, I think, you know, just being able to defend that, 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 that area um, of, of our, I guess the way we work as a nation is, is, is crucial. Yeah. It's really fascinating just how little we all think about how tied our lives are to space and right. and that you know our space forces defending that and and this the uncontested nature of space and how contested it is in reality yeah. so yeah. very interesting uh colonel kirkland do you have any final thoughts for yeah, Sam? Well, well i would be amiss to uh ask uh what's the role for uh us army guys or a Navy person or a Marine uh, in the future of space forces have been kind of ironed out, or have you been hearing anything about uh, ability for other services maybe to become a part of space force? Yeah. So I think uh, just recently we transferred some, uh, I think everyone from, from Navy Marines, army, maybe coast guard as well. Uh, into the space force, so those individuals are able to transfer. I'm not sure what the the numbers look like there, but you know, space is a you know a, a joint environment. Um, there's a lot of uh, partnerships with with the Navy and and Army and Marines, whether that's you know at the U.S. Space Command or or everywhere is you know everything that does touch space that that includes all of our different military branches as well and our. our 
our allied partners, whether that's, you know, Canada or, or New Zealand or, you know, all these other different countries, it's, you know, there's opportunity to, to tap into it, whether that's, you know, maybe, hey, I'm still wearing the, the army uniform, but I go serve in a joint um, joint position supporting the space force or something like that. I think there's a plethora of opportunity and probably going to be an increased amount of opportunity in the future for that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I don't have any other questions, Trish. Great. Well, Lieutenant Creamier, thank you so much for our just giving us some insight into what it's like to be a Space Force officer and uh, your time at the, the Air Force Academy. And we really appreciate everything that you do. And thank you for your service. And thanks for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to to come on the show and, and kind of talk about my, my my experience with the academy and then all the fun that I'm having in the space force. It's it's certainly a a fun thing to talk about. And if people ever want to reach me, you know, my, my name is uh, pretty unique, Sam Cremeyer. So just um, you can just reach out if you have more questions. But I think this podcast is phenomenal. Uh, for those individuals looking to, to join the service academy or, or look into the space force. And I, I really look forward to everything that this, you know, this conversation will do. Well, thanks so much, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the ROTC scholarship podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.